And when we think of the cross, we think of a cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But there's another cry that I want us to think about tonight. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The last words of Jesus on the cross in our reading from Luke's gospel. And as Jesus spoke these words, there was darkness over the land. Just as there is darkness in this sanctuary and darkness covering our city right now. The sun has set. And every night is a reminder of this, but especially Good Friday night. That darkness is a feature of human existence. One that Good Friday will never let us forget especially as followers of Jesus Christ, the crucified one. And darkness is scary because darkness conceals, it hides, it isolates. And isn't that our greatest fear of being alone, of being abandoned, of being lost, forsaken. And Jesus knew what it was like to be forsaken in the account of Jesus' death and Matthew and Mark. Jesus cries from the cross, quoting the words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is what theologians have classically called the cry of dereliction. The idea being that at this moment and only this moment, the Son of God experienced the most terrible loneliness of all, the absence of the eternal loving presence of the Father. And as the Father turned His face away from the Son who became sin on our behalf, and on the cross, Jesus dies the death that we would all die, death in God abandonment, death with God's face turned away. And we say, when we say this, all of this sounds harsh to our ears. How could God ever turn away from anyone just because of something like sin? And when these objections enter into my own mind, I am reminded of words of St. Anselm of Canterbury and his classic work, Cur Deus Homo, Why the God-Man? And in this fictional dialogue between Anselm and his friend Bazo, Bazo is wondering why God can't just sweep sin under the rug, so to speak. To which Anselm replies, Oh, my dear Bazo, you have not yet considered how heavy is the weight of sin. The cross exposes sin for what it is. That which tears apart with violence at what was supposed to be joined together, God and us, his image-bearing creatures. The cross shows us how heavy the weight of sin is, but also the truth that there are no lengths to which God would not go to bring us back to him. So there's the cry of dereliction, but then there's that very different cry, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is the cry of faith in the midst of darkness because being honest, it's really in the darkness where faith becomes faith. 
We recite the creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. But do we really? Do we really believe in Him when our lives are filled with darkness? When we are afraid, we are anxious, we are depressed? When we're drowning in debt and we don't know a way out? When we're getting older and life is getting harder, when relationships have been strained to their absolute breaking point, when, when life is no longer this rush of color and energy, but everything is fading to a dull, monotonous, monochromatic gray. That's one thing about the darkness is the color is sapped out of life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken? And yet, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's the voice of faith in the midst and even in spite of the darkness. And there's a thousand facets of what it means to have faith. But there's three that I just want to highlight we see in Christ's words. One is that there's something defiant about faith. It's the rock-like conviction that the way things are now are not the way that things always will be. This is audacious faith. It's militant faith. You could stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down faith. Romans 8 faith. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord, faith. Faith that cries out in the midst of dereliction, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But second, faith is not just defiance. Faith is also assent. Faith is saying yes to God's plan and God's purposes even when we don't want to. It's the faith of Mary who said yes when the angel of the Lord appeared to her and told her that she would conceive and bear a child. That yes brought her to watching her son suffer and die on the cross. Let it be, she said, with me according to your word. And little did she know that this, that let it be would bring her to that moment. It's the faith of Abraham who left everything behind and entered into uncertainty based solely on God's promise. It's the faith of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays in agony, Father, if there is any way for this cup to pass, any other way for your purpose to be accomplished, but not my will, but your will be done. Faith is saying yes to God before entering the tunnel of darkness at the end of which you can see no light. Faith that cries out at the moment of death, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And lastly, faith is trust. Trust in a reality outside of ourselves that's greater than us. Because at the heart of everything, in order to grow and develop and flourish as human beings in relationship, we need 
trust. Trust in our parents, trust in our teachers, trust in the institutions that give meaning and order to our lives. Without trust, we have nothing. Without trust, we are alone and trapped in these vicious cycles of of self-preservation and bottomless doubt about the dependability of anyone or anything. That's the faith of my boys when they're standing up on top of the playground equipment. And they're looking at me on the ground telling them to jump, jump, I will catch you. And with some trepidation they do, believing, trusting that I won't let them fall. It's faith that in the face of the abyss cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so why can we trust God in the midst of the darkness? Because Jesus did, and when Jesus commits his spirit to the Father, he commits those of us who belong to him as well. In our hour of darkness, Jesus has committed, he has entrusted our spirits to the Father. And what difference does this make? All the difference in the world. Some dear friends of Amy and me are in the midst of a terrible season of darkness. We met them because they too had a premature baby born just two weeks after Gregory. And the two boys have almost the exact same due date within two days. And a month ago, their son came down with something. At first, it seemed like just a cold, just sick. Then pneumonia. Then something much more terrible than they could ever imagine. And reading their caring bridge has been a baptism in Good Friday faith, what that looks like in the real, actual world. This is a beautiful family. They trust Jesus with all their hearts. And they know that God loves their son even more than they do. And they watch and they weep and they pray and they hope for the best even as they prepare for the worst. And his father recently posted on on the stable condition of their son on life support. And he compared it to their son dangling from a rope over the cliff and his parents are holding on for dear life and it's raining and it's slipping from their fingers. And he ends with these words. He says, so here's us for the next couple weeks. It's still raining. Every branch and crevice has broken or dislodged to the last. Our son's line is at its last six inches. We are holding and praying that God pulls up the line. He could have a complication and the last six inches slip from us. Even if it doesn't, we will eventually have to let go. We know that God will catch him if he falls, but we will have to wait longer to see him again. So for now, we are stable. Father, into your hands, we commit his spirit. Because what else can we do? May God have mercy upon them. May God have mercy upon us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.